Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Marion Mariathassen. I think I said that right. That's a tough one. Tongue twister. <laughs> and Marion is an investor. He's an entrepreneur. Has been in many spaces, but cannabis space. We're going to learn about what he's done in cannabis. We're going to look at his focus now, both on the entrepreneurial side and on the investor side. Fascinating background. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think there's a lot we can talk about in terms of where the industry is going, where entrepreneurial efforts are going in the cannabis space. With that, Marion, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Great to be here. Yeah. So, well, let's start with your personal background, and then we can talk to us about Simplify, and we can talk about Zephyr and the work that you're doing on the investing and the development and the entrepreneurial side. But let's get to know you and, and your background. Yeah, thanks. So it's a, it's a bit of an interesting one, I suppose, from at least from my perspective. Yeah. I'm, I'm originally from an island called Sri Lanka. I immigrated to Kansas when I was 10, and I've been in Colorado now for 16 years, or 17 years. By education, computer science and architecture and a minor in business management, you know, in terms of a corporate background, about six years in various pretty massive companies. So Goldman Sachs, yeah. Orbitz, Cerner. But really, my my passion is in entrepreneurship. So I've, I've been fortunate enough to have started, built and sold a handful of tech companies. Yeah. 
you know, from philanthropic software, real estate software, automotive software. Was in the tequila business for a while, sold that, and <laughs> I ended up in cannabis primarily because of uh, the law firm Vicente Cedarberg and the partners of that. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, um, I mean, clearly, I mean, I've, I've been going through your resume and, and your background, clearly a long history of, of entrepreneurship in, in various industries. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cannabis space, obviously a, a somewhat complicated one, dynamic one. Tell us about how Simplify, a, kind of the original idea came to be, how you get involved and uh, how you guys got started and how, how the company evolved. Yeah. So I, as much as I'd love to take credit for the idea of Simplify, I can't. It literally was incubated within the walls of Vicente Cedarberg, you know, yeah. the law firm that's instrumental in Amendment 64. Yeah. The three partners, you know, Brian, Christian, and Josh were friends and primarily Christian at that time. Uh-huh. And, you know, I ran into Christian at, uh, I think, an event and we were talking about what's happening in cannabis. And he said, they've got a concept that's a software play and that they think it's going to be really vital to this emerging industry and it's around compliance. So I, we went in, we sat down and they kind of talked to me about what was to become Simplifier yeah. in a highly regulated industry. One of the things that Christian said that really resonated with me in a highly regulated industry, compliance becomes extremely vital. And, you know, one of the other things he said was most people that get into the cannabis industry think they're getting into the cannabis industry, when in fact, <laughs> they're getting into the compliance industry. Yeah, and if exactly. they do compliance well, they get to do cannabis, right? And so that was the early beginnings. I became an investor along with the three partners of Vicente Cedarberg as one of the first uh, investors in the company. Mm-hmm. Got my software development company called Stallone Solutions involved to build out the product. And, uh, you know, rest is kind of history. And we're coming up on three years this uh, October. Yeah. I'm curious as an investor, or w- when you first got approached to this, how much of this was, you know, just another business transaction, another investment opportunity? And how much of this was kind of unique because it was this kind of unique cannabis space? I mean, I, talk to me about yeah. that that thinking or that conversation. Well, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have played in various different spaces, Bruce, but cannabis was something that I was really excited about, not only because it was emerging and it was new and it's exciting, but just from a, you know, I, I know people for illnesses that have used cannabis, you know, yeah. for ways to literally just kind of live life. Right. And so I really felt like, you know, this was a chance to get in on the ground level, make a real difference on a global scale. Right. I mean, when we talk about the joke within Simplify is that Simplify is not the sexiest of companies because we're dealing with compliance. However, it's such a vital part if you want this movement, if you want to call it that, to expand and move in the direction we want it to. So. You know, I I think part of it was like, hey, this sounds like a great investment opportunity because it's compliance. But also it was more of a a personal like love and passion for what I think this plant can do for humanity. Yeah. Right. And so it was just it checked off all the boxes perfectly. Yeah. And so I guess what any any surprises, any particular challenges that you didn't expect as that company got off the ground and, you know, either from a business point of view, from a you know, from a, a market point of view, I mean, it, it's sure. been a pretty dynamic space. It has, you know, I, I think of all the startups that I've been involved in, uh, either as an investor or as an operator, this has been probably by far one of the most rewarding, but also probably one of the most challenging, right? Because a lot of my background's been in tech, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the tequila side, of course, but when and in tech, usually you're building a product and, you know, you're marketing it and then you're, you know, then you're kind of watching it grow, as mm-hmm. an example. 
Simplify is a little bit more complex in that it's not only a tech product, but it's also a content product, right? Because regulations on a, so what Simplify does is it takes all the state and local regulations, yeah. and as the name implies, we simplify it down into a 12th grade reading level and have it through an auditing system for license holders to use. And so we have to be extremely pinpointed in what we do. Mm-hmm. We can't take these regulations, screw it up. We have to be on top of it when they update them. So th- there's double the level of effort, if you want to call it that, because it's not not just tech, but now you got content. Yeah, and and you know if we screw things up, we really screw things up for our customers, and we take that very seriously. And so that certainly has been you know much more dynamic and interesting and challenging than <laughs> than the yeah. typical uh, tech startup. But it's also comes with its with its rewards, and so it's it's been just phenomenal. Yeah, but, I'm um, sure. I'm sure. Any particular sort of interesting business challenges that you've run into in terms of just growing and scaling the business? Has it been a, uh, you know, lead generation? Has it been, you know, marketing? Has it been finding talent? What, what have you been like, what's been the the throttling gating factors to the growth? So, you know, we've been pretty low key, I would say for the last, we officially kicked it off October, 2016. And I'd say up until about January of this year, we've, you know, we've been working with clients, really trying to understand their pain points. And so it's been a slow growth process. Mm-hmm. But this year, we really put the pedal to the metal, if you will. And one of the challenges has been just finding talent, right? Because everyone wants to be in the cannabis space, <laughs> you know, which is great. Everyone right? wants but to be then, in cannabis. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and so the, I think part of the challenge is, and we've been, we've been interviewing constantly because we're yeah. constantly hiring and it's finding the right person that fits in with our culture and, yeah. you know, that has passion and so forth. That's been, that's been uh, much harder than I, I think any of us anticipated. And then, and outside of that, it's just been, you know, trying to really get the, the pain points around the license holders and trying to understand, yeah. you know, where they approach it from. And, and those have been a little bit more difficult than we anticipated, but mm-hmm. we're on the other side of that now, right? So in terms of product and understanding where we feel like we have a good grasp on what the industry needs. And we're also now getting into banking and insurance and government. And so it's been an exciting ride. Like I said, it's it's fun. Yeah, no, I'm sure it, it gets you, it gets your fingers in a lot of kind of parts yes, of the industry. And, and I'm sure, I mean, one of the things I, I you know, certainly find and, and we're with a lot of companies that are in a, in a, a growth process is kind of keeping them focused, <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not chasing uh, shiny objects yes. and uh, looking at squirrels and all those things. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, have yeah. you had any... Uh, shiny objects? Well, yeah, I'm sure you've had shiny <laughs> objects. I mean, I guess any rules of thumb or things that you've used to help you know, decide which, which opportunities you're going to pursue and which ones you're, yeah. you're going to let go? So, yeah. So, you know, we're very laser focused on really the first two years, uh, actually up until about this January. The focus has been the MJB. Right. If you have yeah. a license, we want to be able to support you, streamline their compliance process, make it easy, et cetera, et cetera. So we have been very, very focused on that. Only as of uh, this year, actually last December, did we take on a banking beta client because they work with MJBs, right? Yeah. Compliance at the end of the day is about risk mitigation. And so for banks and even insurance companies, it's about risk mitigation and they work with license holders. And so mm-hmm. we sit very nicely in the middle where we can help facilitate a lot of this compliance effort to both parties. And so in terms of shiny objects, Bruce, you know, we've been <laughs> yeah. approached by opioid uh, sure. the opioid industry saying, hey, we'd like to use your tool in the opioid industry. We've been approached by oil and gas. And so those are shiny objects that we won't even consider, at least for the time being. So we politely passed on them. Yeah. But, you know, 
we're focused on on this industry and, and the license holder for the most part. And now, as I said, banks and, and insurance and maybe government. So. Yeah, yeah. And I know that this is, you know, this is how you got started in the cannabis space. But tell mm-hmm. us more how this has branched out for you as an entrepreneur, as an investor. What else are you involved in at this point And how has that kind of unfolded for you? Yeah. So, you know, Ceylon Solutions, which is a company I've had now since 2003, mm-hmm. which has been a, a software development shop. It was a natural fit to bring that into the kind of the fold, because as I'm spending most of my time now in cannabis, we actually pivoted that company to focus entirely on cannabis software development. Mm-hmm. And as an investor, now going to conferences, meeting uh, clients, meeting partners, it's a great way to find opportunities, right? So I've, I'm a, obviously an investor in Simplify, a company called LeafWire, Zephyr, which is a, a consumer data company. Mm-hmm. We're also shareholders in New Frontier Data. But, you know, I've, in total, I've got about 14 different investments now in cannabis. I can't even remember them all. Um, but <laughs> I think I've had uh, a few of them on the program. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yes. yeah. But, you know, so I started off with just ancillary, but now I've done a a few plant touching as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so as as an investor and as an entrepreneur, this space has been just amazing because now that I'm living and breathing this industry, it's much easier to understand the nuances and, and what's going on and, and the types of companies and the people that are coming up with great ideas. And it gives me an opportunity to be a part of other, um, you know, yeah. great ideas as well. No, so, I like it. Yeah. Any, yeah. I guess, any particular investment thesis or focus or things that you're looking at getting involved with in the cannabis? Industry? I mean, it's just so big. I mean, cannabis entails yeah, yeah. so many different things. Like how, as an investor, how, how do you stay focused or what are you looking for? Sure. So, the biggest thing for me, and I think a lot of investors might say this, is a referral from a trusted friend or you know, or a peer or an investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my closest business partners and friends is a guy by the name of Alan Bankier. You know, he's probably one of the most active angels in the space. Mm-hmm. So between him and and the partners at Vicente Cedarberg, you know, when they bring a deal to me, I know it's been vetted and I know that they know. You know, that they've yeah. done their due diligence. Yeah. But outside of that, Bruce, for me, it really comes down to the people, right? I really look for the team. I think it holds true in many industries where ideas are abound, but, yeah. you know, it's yeah. all about execution. And so what I look for is, is at least the leadership team. Have they, you know, been there, done that? You know, whether it's in cannabis or even in another vertical, have they been involved in a startup? Have they executed well and have they had the chance to get an exit? Mm-hmm. Those are all kind of vital pieces that I personally look for. And then end of the day, it's also about personality. I, I try and be a very open-minded, like usually I'm the one laughing around the office, cracking jokes, and mm-hmm. I, I don't take myself very seriously. And this is probably about as serious as you'll ever hear me <laughs> uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so I just like, you know, smart people, but also fun people that, you know, we can we can just talk about anything and everything. And that's, that's you know, loosely my thesis, I suppose, when it comes to investments. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen any particular challenges that either companies you've invested in or companies you've thought about investing in, you know, the challenges that they've had in terms of being able to get their business, you know, either through traction or through, yeah. you know, get, getting to market or, or growing or what, what do you see well, as being the common challenges out there? Well, I, I think, I think one of the most vital pieces obviously is funding, right? And, yeah. I, and I think the, the landscape's changed, in my opinion, quite a bit from two years ago to even end of last year and this year. So a lot of the early startups that are pre-revenue um, are having a real tough time finding capital. 
and that's changed versus like even like I said in 2017 you know if you had an idea I felt like you can get capitalized pretty quickly yeah towards the end of last year that's changed and this year I think it's got even tougher I think a lot of the the funds and the more sophisticated investors are willing to take pretty massive bets on companies with revenue or with some growth potential or that has grown somewhat. And so complete new startups are struggling. And, and you know, there's it's a lot of noise out there, right? Because yeah. as more and more people flood into the space, there's more ideas and more concepts. And, you know, I think investors are having a real tough time as well as ancillary and plan touching in the space, trying to decipher for which companies are legit in the sense of, are they going to be around? One of the first things that we, I think, one of the challenges we faced at Simplify early on was, oh, you're a compliance company. That's great. You're going to solve all my compliance issues. But they're like, are you guys going to be around in two years, three years, right? We make all this yeah. commitment to switch over to you. And if you don't make it, then, you know, we're starting from scratch again. And so those have been, I think, some real issues that uh, people have faced and continue to face. Yeah. I'm curious, as an investor, have you, do you kind of categorize or look at plant-touching companies versus non-plant-touching companies differently? Or do you evaluate them? Or what's how do you yeah. kind of organize the market for yourself? So early on, I, d- I didn't want to do any plant-touching. It was all ancillary and tech, just because that's where you know my knowledge base was and what I'm more comfortable with. Yeah. But as time has gone on, like I said, I've done a few that now touch the plant. And that's just, just over time, having been in the space, I've gotten more comfortable and understand the lingo and I understand kind of what, uh, you know, these plant touching businesses have to go through. And so, you know, I think I think a lot of investors are still at least are still focused more on the ancillary side. Yeah. But then you certainly have a lot of investors that are only doing plant touching side. I, I tend to straddle both. I you know, wherever it, kind of the wind blows me, if it seems like a good group of people and a good concept and, yeah. you know, good referral, I'll, I'll definitely take a look. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of the plant touching, I mean, what, I mean, tell me about from an investor point of view, what are the complexities or, or what do you have to kind of be aware of when you get involved in investing in, in plant touching businesses? I mean, at this point, how does, how yeah. does that impact how you organize things and what considerations do you really need to keep in mind? Well, you know, funny question, Bruce, just because like, because we're on the compliance side, yeah. the first thing I'm always checking is like, do you have a battle license and do you have a compliant business, right? Yeah. I mean, because as, as investors, because it's still federally illegal, obviously, you know, you, you run a lot of risk when you're, you know, investing in plant touching and especially if they're not compliant. Yeah. So that's my number one yeah. <laughs> piece that I look for. And then secondarily to that, it's, you know, I'm looking for people that really have some sort of agricultural background that really know, especially if you're on the growing side or cultivating side or whatever it may be that, yeah. you know, know way more than me or anyone else <laughs> in, in terms of what it is that they're, what their business is going to do. And then when it comes to the dispensary side and things, I think it's just like at the end of the day, it, it, it's a small business, right? Obviously a lot of these multi-state operators and it's, it's changing quite a bit, but, yeah. um, you know, do you know how to run a business? That's a, it, it seems like such a basic <laughs> question, but it's such a vital question. And, uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you yeah. can you can love you can love the product, but you need to know you need to know how yes. to actually run a business too. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So if you get both of those story. together, then that's that's when you have an ideal scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of where you see the industry going, or you know, or, or segments of this industry, I mean, yeah. as you know, from, in terms of the new ideas, or what do you think is going to drive some of these areas? I mean, I, you know, certainly, you know, you, the benefit here is you know all the all the regulatory side too. So yeah. you know, there's yeah. there's all these kind of pending or looming potential regulatory changes, which I mean, yeah. from my point of view, you know, could have, you know, huge tectonic shifts in terms of the industry and how the market is made up and how companies 
you know, compete or don't compete. I mean, where, I guess, how do you map this out or how do you look at this and see what might happen and what companies need to do or or need to look at in terms of being successful? So I think from, for the ancillary or tech companies, I I think, you know, we're going to start seeing even more uh, roll-ups than Mm -hmm. we have seen. Um, And I think part of that is just positioning, right? I mean, you know, while we all kind of wait for the big guys to come in after federal deregulation, it's a lot of these smaller companies are trying to combine forces, but also I think it's I think it's important to note, you know, a license holder right now has like four, five, six, seven, eight different vendors that they're dealing with, right? And and as we were joking about earlier, they have a business to run. Yeah. So when they have so many different like applications and software and all these different vendors that they deal with, now all of a sudden if you have like one type of vendor to deal with that solves all your needs, that becomes extremely time-saving mm-hmm. and just, you know, from a knowledge perspective, just much easier. So I think we're going to start seeing more, uh, this is my opinion, of course, mm-hmm. but I, I think we're going to start seeing, you know, many more kind of roll-ups and acquisitions that are happening in this space, you know, and then on the on the plant touching side, I mean, we've always seen this happen, right, with the Harvest and the Cresco Labs and yeah. you know, they're gobbling up all the, you know, smaller uh, operations and they want to be, you know, they want to kind of you know, make it into a corporate type of effort. And, and I think that's going to continue, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. And so I, I think for, you know, the, the the companies that are like us, you know, kind of mid-stage or early startup or late startup, I think it's all about trying to establish your presence and your thought leadership and kind of waiting to see what happens. Like Simplify, you know, we've, we've had, I think, five offers to sell already. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm sure. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we just didn't feel like the timing was right, but we also are looking for the right uh, partners, right? Yeah. I mean, we've looked at a few companies to acquire ourselves and it, even though it didn't pan out, we're constantly looking and it's, you know, and this is what makes cannabis so exciting. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's, like it's, it's, you know, it's more dynamic than any other vertical I've been in. And maybe, and obviously a lot of it, that has to do with the fact it's so new, but yeah. um yeah, it's who knows. It's it's. I don't think anyone has a crystal ball, but you know you can make some predictions, and there, are, that's mine. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, when you know we sit down and do our strategic planning with the companies I work with, and and it, yeah. it is it is the most dynamic set of uh, strategic uh, possibilities that we need to kind of map out and plan for. And you yeah. know, if this happens, then we do this. If this happens, then we do yeah. that. You know, and, and it, it's fun. I mean, I, and I agree. I think that's what makes cannabis such a kind of a compelling space from um, you know a business uh, entrepreneurial point of view. I mean, with, with great uncertainty comes great opportunity. So Absolutely. you just need to figure out how to how to map it and how to position yourselves, right? I mean, I guess, how do you see the international stuff playing into this? Because I think it's the other thing that keeps coming up for me is, you know, we've got all these kind of state by state micro industries, micro economies, and yes, federal regulation or federal reclassification will change that. But you've got this international uh, market that's starting to play out. How do you see that? impacting things so i, I think uh, there's a lot of excitement at least from an investor's perspective that uh, i've been hearing uh, in terms of new emerging international markets right so uh, I, I myself personally made an investment in a company out of macedonia uh, about five months ago Interesting, yeah. you know and then even out of the uk and then obviously latin america and what's interesting Bruce is Sri Lanka being a very conservative Buddhist country yeah. is now, you know, playing around with how do we, you know, how do we incorporate cannabis and hemp yeah. into, into our uh, GDP? And so, I mean, I can't think of maybe, I can't think of any country that's, if they're not playing with it already, that they're considering it on a very serious basis. And, and I think it's very quickly, you know, when I think when federal deregulation comes here, it's going to 
it's going to change the global landscape very, very quickly. And, you know, that's that much more exciting, but also I, I don't even know. I, I can't even picture a global market with cannabis, but all I can, uh, all I can oh. suspect is there's going to be uh, a lot of value creation that's going to come out of it. But um, yeah. That, yeah. that's well, all I can you, say. But, you, um, you know, you alluded to that that you were you've been involved in uh, on the alcohol side and, and tequila. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. any was there any kind of similarities, connections, transference yeah. that you could make, or is is how alcohol you know license and manage and regulate just so different than cannabis that there's really no connection? I mean, what was what's the similarities and differences that you've seen? Well, you know, part of the reason that you know um, Simplify was of interest for me is like. So you look at alcohol, right? I mean, after prohibition ended, right? We've got yeah. we've got an industry that's multi-billion dollars, but it's still highly regulated. People don't realize it, but you know, because you can go to a liquor store and you buy the booze and whatever. But when we're in the tequila business, because tequila has to come from the Guadalajara region or the tequila region yeah. of Mexico, you know, for that product to even move into the U.S., I mean, if you were to see the amount of paperwork we had to oh, we had man, to deal yeah. with. You know, from not just CBP, but like all these different uh, uh, government agencies, it was a great reminder that you know it, <laughs> that alcohol is still nicely regulated. And so, you know, that was a very, uh, I guess, transferable piece of information for me coming into cannabis. Because even you know, when we when cannabis does go federally legal and even becomes a global uh, entity or, or product, it's still going to deal with the types of regulations that we see now, and if not, even more, right? When we have federal deregulation, that just means you're going to have local municipality regulation, yeah. state, and then you have federal, yeah. right? And then you have international on top of that, right? When you're moving product yeah. across borders. So yeah, it, it, it's never going to go away. It's kind of like uh, gaming, alcohol, you know, uh, yeah. the, the the pharmaceutical drug industry, all these are very regulated and they're just never going to go away. So, yeah. And I think that's the, you know, the question is not if it's how, you know, how they end up kind of doing the regulation, who does the regulation, what the process is, you know, is it, is it federal? Is it more federal? Is it more state? Yeah. You know, and that's really going to change the dynamic. I mean, I just keep thinking of these, you know, the people who are growing, growing cannabis in Vermont and, you know, this, this stuff opens up and they're going to get crushed by Northern California. Right. I mean, it's the the, the state by state regulation has created this somewhat uh, contorted market and, and supply chain and, and stuff. So, I just I'm, yeah. I'm very curious how this is going to play out as these things Yeah, change. so and I and I think you're absolutely spot on with that Bruce. I mean, you know, when we when we talk about a globalized market, at least on the plant touching side, right? I mean, you have places like Colombia that, you know, wants oh, to be yeah. the biggest supplier of cannabis to the world. Yeah. And even honestly, island nation like Sri Lanka, right? Yep. Or like any of these places where cannabis can grow very easily because, you know, the climate. And yeah, the, yeah. You you have sun, you have climate. soil, you yeah. have water. It's <laughs> yeah. just like you can't compete in a where in a greenhouse. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's going to be extremely interesting to see what happens uh, at that point. You know, when it becomes a globalized market. Yeah. So, but yeah. time will tell, I suppose. Yeah. Do you see any other sort of interesting choke points in terms of you know it, as this continues to grow and scale? You know where where the the industry has uh, you know seen kind of these bottlenecks that has you know, prevented or, or, or stymied growth? I mean, anything from, you know, talent to, you know, product to land to materials. I mean, what's where do you see the big gaining factors in the market as, as things grow? So, you know, for anything to grow, and especially in a new industry like cannabis, I think uh, you're going to need funding. Uh, yeah. That's going to be, I think, you know, 
number one vital piece of it uh, or the the key component to keeping this moving ahead. Mm-hmm. And secondarily to that, I was going to say it is going to be talent and resources. And I think one of the philosophies that we've now embraced, at least as Simplify, and I can speak to that, Bruce, is that mm-hmm. you know, initially when we were hiring, we wanted people with cannabis experience, mm-hmm. right? Because they understood sure. the industry, they understood the people, the, you know, the terminology, but it just got to the point where we just <laughs> ran out. Find, we ran out, <laughs> yeah, right? And exactly. so now we're just looking for smart tech, passionate people that also mm-hmm. like cannabis, right? Like, yeah. like cannabis in the sense of like, they're not opposed to it becoming yeah. legal, right? Because yeah, there are still exactly. people running around, even though it's 2019, they're just like, oh, cannabis is bad for you. And yeah. like, okay, I yeah. don't know where that came from. But so I, I think I think money is definitely number one. We've got to, even though there's so much money now coming into the space, I think it's, uh, like I said, I alluded to earlier, a lot of it's going to the more mature companies. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, some of these new innovative ideas that are coming up, whether it's tech or even on the plant touching side, are now left kind of scrambling around, scratching their head, going like, where do we, how do we finance this thing? Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's kind of the allocution of... Uh capital to the right folks in the right format, the right size, and even the right yes. structure. I mean, I think that's the other problem is that it, you know, it's coming in and in particular ways through two particular vehicles that make it sort of more or less difficult for certain types of companies to get. Yes. I'm yeah. curious about the talent side. I mean, I, I do a fair amount of work in the cannabis space in these kind of tech and um, sort of scientific companies. And, and uh-huh. I find that, yeah, we, you know, we run out of talent. So we're trying to pull talent or, or um, uh, yeah. pull talent from these other industries and particularly like pharmaceutical. I mean, tech isn't so bad. Pharmaceutical to some extent then, you know, we get these, uh, you know, fairly experienced, you know, highly knowledgeable folks, we get them into cannabis and, and it doesn't always work, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's this yeah. combination of, I mean, some of it is cultural, you know, and some, you know, they're used to an industry that's, you know, yes. 30, 40, 50 years old, highly developed, lots of processes, standards, yep. but also just kind of a, a way of doing business that either is expected or has been developed in that area that just is not the case in cannabis at this point, either because it's an early company or it's just it's a different industry, different model, different culture. I'm curious what you've seen in terms of, you know, being able to pull people from other industries where it's worked, where it hasn't. How do you, I guess, any good criteria or ways of determining who is going to be a good fit and who is not other than just sort of skill sets? Yeah, so I, that's a great question, Bruce, because here's what I've, I've noticed, right? If um, startups were cannabis, so if you if you take the cannabis industry, you can call it a startup, right? Yep. Because completely new. There's no structure. There's Everyone's trying yeah. to figure it out on, you know, kind of on, as they go. And then if you talk about pharma or like any of these kind of industries that's been around for so long, that's like corporate America, right? They've yep. got it figured out. They've been kind of, you know, chugging along yep. and everyone kind of does their thing. And so I think it's a it's a really tough transition when you go from corporate to a startup. Yeah. Right. You can go and it's the same thing when you go from startup to corporate. Oh yeah. And so that's what we've noticed here. And that's one of the things that I uh particularly look for, but also our entire team when we're doing interviews, is like, have you been in a startup before? Right. If they're not, if they're coming into cannabis, that's one of the things we ask. Have you been in cannabis in, in a mm-hmm. startup? Because it's let alone, even though we're three years, we're more structured now. It, the industry as itself is so so different, yeah. and people, if you're not able to adapt quickly and really be nimble, you're gonna you're gonna kind of burn, right? Yeah. And and then, as you know very well, it's the people and the culture in this industry is so different than anything else as well. We huh. have super passionate people 
we have super smart people and you know and you put that together with like you know i always joke about mj biscon you go to that oh my gosh you know, yeah. i've had <laughs> i've had first timers come and they're like oh my gosh i've never seen anything like this in my life right? it's just like I mean, you you have the suits with the ties, and then you have you know the stereotypical campus people, uh, yeah, know, exactly. With, with a bong and a t-shirt. Yeah, whatever, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's uh, and 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 everything in between, and, and I think um, I think that's that's what we look for. Is just like, can you straddle both ends of the spectrum? Can you be professional? You know, because we are a compliance company. It's not like it's a sexy thing, but can you be professional? But can you also understand and appreciate what this industry stands for and what you know yeah. this movement stands for and uh, and if they can't, then it's it's a it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think I like that idea that it's really it's the people that can straddle both worlds. I mean, because that's yep. that's really what we need right now in the cannabis space. Is like, yes, yeah. you need to be able to function where the cannabis space is right now. Uh, but right. we also need to be, you know, at, at some level in in certain key parts, we need to be moving towards you know more structured, more sophisticated, more you know well defined ways of doing business and. Absolutely. You know, it, will, it will happen, you know, and it will happen in its way that cannabis wants to do it. But no well, people know, that I'll, can do both is going to be important. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I had a, a, an old friend of mine from the alcohol industry that, uh, you know, visited our office. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, this is cool. He's like, it's like a tech company. He's like, I thought everyone just sits around and smokes weed here. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I'm like, uh, hey, does everyone in your alcohol, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> run, drink booze all day? Like, <laughs> so it's just so funny because, you know, I, I think in some people that's never been in, in the space, they, they've got this, some crazy picture that they've conjured up that we're oh, just yeah. kind of like the Mad Men days, you know, that, that show <laughs> Mad Men where they're sitting around drinking and smoking, you know, cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah. And we're just sitting around smoking weed all day. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's uh, not what happens here. We're a professional company yeah. that happens to like the plant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So. No, it's very true. This has been great, Marin. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about Simplifya, about the other entities, organizations, companies that you're uh, involved in, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, so you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Marian uh, Mariathasan. Uh, Simplifya is www.simplifya.com. The software company is Ceylon Solutions. Ceylon, by the way, was the former name for Sri Lanka, and that's where that name came. That's from. what it was. Okay, I was trying yeah. to figure out. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, C-E-Y-L-O-N solutions.com and then LeafWire is, we call it the LinkedIn for Cannabis and that's L-E-A-F-W-I-R-E.com and then Zephyr, Z-E-F-Y-R.com. Great, I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes so (laughs) people can click through and not madly trying to scribble those down as we talk. Um, Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your time, Bruce. This has been great. I really enjoyed this. No, thank you. This this was fun. I always enjoy talking to uh, entrepreneurs, investors in this space. It's uh, uh, always a fun conversation. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.